This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. James tells us, hey, if you really believe what you say you believe, here's how that's going to affect you on a Monday morning. Now, say, for example, tomorrow morning when you wake up, it's probably not going to be on your mind, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. You just probably won't wake up and think about that tomorrow morning uh, at 7 o'clock on a Monday morning. But you'll wake up tomorrow morning and think, what words should I use? How should I interact with this person at work who seems to be very difficult? Why am I going through difficult times? Why do I try to follow Jesus, but everything seems to fall apart on me? You'll, you'll ask questions like that. And so not to say that doctrine's not important. Doctrine is incredibly important. But the question is, with the doctrine that we have, how does that change my life tomorrow morning? How does that change my life this week at work? How's this going to change my life when school starts back up in the fall? How does my faith impact my daily living? The book of James really is just uh, an opportunity for us to see how our faith will affect our daily life. James is a book that examines what genuine faith looks like. James tells us, hey, if you really believe what you say you believe, here's what your life will look like. And he gives us a a multitude of different case uh, studies as we go through this really short book, but there's so much information there and so much application uh, that we have. Again, we we don't read the book of James, and at the end of our reading of a a chapter of James, scratch our head and go, hmm, I wonder what I'm supposed to do with what I just read. No, it's very crystal clear. Uh, You'd have to just be asleep while you read to not understand what you're supposed to do with what you've read. But James also says, hey, if you really believe what you say you believe, this is how your your life is going to look. Again, James talks about faith with our works and how does our our faith actually change the way that we live our life on a daily basis. And so one of the major themes of the book of James is our faith in action. A faith that has no action behind it is a, a faith that really doesn't amount to a whole lot. James says faith without works, if your faith doesn't change the way that you live your life, your faith is dead. It's of no use whatsoever. So we'll be taking a look through this passage at what genuine faith looks like. But here's the, uh, one of the ways that your faith will always be exposed 100% of the time is when you face trials or difficulties in your life. It's going to you know, let you know really quickly where your faith lies and where you run to. We take a look at the idea of trials. If you take a look at verse number two this, this evening, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. If you have the King James Version of the Bible, the word temptations is used there. Other English translations might use the word trial or testing. All three of those could be used to apply in this case here. But when you think of the idea behind temptations or trials, we're taking a look at this difficult times that we go through that really show us what we're made of. Again, when we think of, of the idea of putting our faith on display, our faith is put on display amidst trials and difficulties. Look, anybody can praise God when everything's going well for them. Anybody can. Anybody can praise God when there's plenty of money in the bank account, when your, your health is really good, when you got that promotion at work. There's so many times where you hear people say, well, I just want to thank God for, for this victory here. You see athletes at a post-game press conference, they say, hey, I just want to thank the Lord for, for us winning the game tonight. 
You see <laughs> recording artists at the Grammys who are foul, filthy, vile human beings get up there and say, I just want to give a shout out to the man upstairs first. Hey, everybody loves to praise when everything's going well, right? How many people have you seen when they have been wronged, when they've suffered loss, when things did not go their way, they stand up and say, hey, this is a really difficult day here, but I'd like to praise God for all that he's done for me. Not very often. It's funny because when things go well, we want to praise God for it, but when things go poorly, we want to blame God for it. <laughs> What's up with that? It's just a misunderstanding of how God works and how he functions. And trials will be given to us by God. He said, did you say trials would be given? Yes. Again, Sometimes people get this idea that, that trials just are things that happen to us or God allows things to happen. That couldn't be further from the truth. Trials are sent by God for the purpose of proving us. And tonight we'll take a look at some of the reasons behind the trials that we face and things like that. And James says this crazy thought. Verse number two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You see, when facing difficulty, count it as a reason to praise. Hmm. I don't know too many people who say, man, praise God, I lost my job. Looking forward to seeing what happens here. Yeah. That's not normal, but here's the awesome part. When you're walking with Jesus, it happens. We had probably a half dozen people last March, April time frame that lost their jobs. And I got phone calls from them saying, hey, pastor, I just found out that I just got laid off. And I'm, I'm not trying to exaggerate or be funny or anything like that. Of the half dozen people that called me, a half dozen of them said, but I'm okay, I'm trusting the Lord, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to do here. I love it. You know what that is? That's a proper response to trials. Of all the people in our church that were affected by COVID in a massive way, that lost their jobs, that lost income, not one single person ever called me and said, Pastor, tell me why God did this to me. Every single one of them said, I'm looking forward to see how God's going to use this in my life. That's a proper response to difficult situations and difficult trials. Paul, as he writes in, in the book of Philippians, chapter number four, again, writes from prison. He starts off the, the letter to the church at Philippi by saying, hey guys, you might have heard that I'm in a bad spot, but don't worry about it because this is actually a good thing for the sake of the gospel. Then in Philippians chapter four, verse number four, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Be thankful, and in case you didn't hear me the first time, be thankful in everything, says a guy who's sitting in prison, possibly facing execution. He says, just be thankful. Praise God for everything that you have. So when faced with difficulties and trials, the first thing you need to do is you need to stop and praise God. I know it doesn't make sense because our flesh fights against that. Our flesh wants to find someone to blame. How many of you, when faced with a difficulty, you want to find somebody who's at fault here, right? You want to be able to say, it was my boss. He's such a jerk that, that I didn't get promoted. It's that, it's that you know, evaluation that I got two years ago that that knucklehead wrote because he didn't like me. That's the reason why I didn't make it this time around. Oh, I'm short of my rent because our landlord keeps raising our rent again and again and again. And we've got to find somebody to blame. I'm short on my bills this month because my stupid brakes went out of my car. I knew I should have never bought that car. I blame it on our car. Because we have to find someone who's at fault in our flesh. But when trials come to the life of a mature Christian, they say, praise God I get the opportunity to, to learn something this time. Praise God he counted me worthy to be able to endure suffering. You see, the quality and authenticity of our faith will become evident during times 
of trials and difficulties. You want to know if your faith's real or not? Wait till trials come. You want to know if your faith is the real deal? Wait until you suffer loss. And you'll find out what's really important. You see, the interesting thing about trials when they come is we always run somewhere for shelter, don't we? I admit there's been times in my life where difficulties come, and I was so overwhelmed and so overcome with emotion that the very first thing I did is pick up my phone and call my good friend Domino's. And I ordered a large pepperoni pizza and a two-liter Mountain Dew, and I sat and ate the entire thing by myself. I'm just being honest. Difficult times come, I, I, I run to food. Difficult times that come in my life before, I want to do something that will make me feel better. So I'll go out and spend money that I don't have to buy things that I don't need to make me feel better for a short window of time thinking that possessions or things or stuff will make me feel better. But we often find that all of those things are lacking. Idolatry always ends poorly every single time. Oftentimes people will run to a certain person Maybe you run to your spouse, maybe you run to a family member, maybe you're, you got to get a call into mom, or you got to call your dad and, and let him know what's going on so that they can rescue you from this situation. Please understand, every trial in your life was given to you for the purpose of driving you towards your heavenly Father. And these times of trials or difficulty will show you what's really important. They'll show you where your faith truly lies, and they'll show you whether or not your faith is true or not. You see, trials, when they come, don't cause a behavior or they don't cause a spirit in their hearts. They simply expose them. I want you to think about that for just a second. There's people who said to me last year, hey, this whole COVID thing's got me, got me shook up, it's got me questioning my faith, got me uh, wondering if I can really trust in the Lord during this time. Well, COVID didn't cause that for you because you weren't solid in your faith to begin with. COVID merely exposed the fact that you're weak in your faith. And that's not an indictment on somebody or a, or a shame or a judge. That's just to say, hey, you need an opportunity to grow, and I want you to grow. Oftentimes people will say, well, you know, I struggle with anger, but my own anger only comes out when I'm around my, my spouse, and she says these things, and it gets on my last nerve, and she knows how to push my buttons. That's when my anger comes out. Your anger is not caused by your wife. Your anger is caused, caused by a carnal spirit that is exposed by your wife. Think about that for a second. One author puts it this way, that tea in a tea bag is simply contained by the bag, but the moment that you drop it in hot water, it releases the tea flavor into the water. Now, is it the water's fault that the, tea now, that the water now tastes like tea? No, the water simply exposed what was already in the tea bag. And so our hearts are simply exposed by trials. There were, when, when COVID came last year and we, I sat down with some of the men of our church and we made a decision that uh, we were going to follow the, the rules and guidelines that we were given to try to flatten the curve and we took 11 weeks off from not meeting together as a church. I said to our guys, our church will not be the same in 12 weeks as it was today. It's going to be different. Because I knew for a fact that there were people in our church that were just barely hanging on in their faith. And given an opportunity to take three months off of going to church, they would never come back. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. And there was a second category of people that I, I knew for a fact, beyond a shadow of a doubt, whatever happens, these people are going to be here, locked and loaded, no questions asked. 
they're 100% dialed in, 100% committed. If I say we have to meet in Kapilani Park and bring your own folding chair, these people will be there and they'll bring somebody with them. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But then there was this third category of people that was kind of a toss-up. These people could go either way. These people are so young or so, so immature in their faith. I don't use immature in a, a derogatory term. They're just really babes in Christ. They're young Christians that when this comes, they're going to go one way or the other. They're either going to dig in deeper or they're going to fall off the wagon and never to return again. And those are the people that I was really the most concerned about. And you know the crazy thing is? The people that were in category three, the ones that I was really concerned about, every single one of them dug in deep and stuck it out and are here and are stronger and growing in their faith as a result of it. What happened during that trial? Was it COVID's fault? Was it the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the inability to meet? Is that what caused the problems for the people that didn't make it? No, it simply exposed what was already there, a weak commitment to Christ. What about the people who dug in and really made it and owned it? Those are the people who really wanted to walk with Christ and wouldn't be deterred by anything and wanted to dig in deeper to their faith. I love that. But here's the thing. Trials and difficulties don't cause something in your heart it simply exposes what's already there earlier this year our family went through a, a health trial with my daughter mckeely she was in the hospital for four weeks i stood on a sunday morning and preached when she was in had gotten admitted into icu had gone into septic shock and it didn't really look really good for her even coming out alive i stood up here on a sunday morning and preached two messages in a row People say, oh, how did you do that? Are you really good at compartmentalizing? Did you just shut it off and forget about it? No, I knew that God's grace is sufficient and me sitting by her hospital bed wouldn't make a bit of difference in the world because God is sovereign. He's in charge. And so I'm just going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to trust the Lord. And whatever happens, happens. But let me just tell you, were I weak in my faith, were I not prepared for difficulties that had come, I would have panicked. I would, have, I would have scrambled. I would have called everybody under the sun that I know. I would have really, man, it would, it would have wrecked me. But we just trusted the Lord through it, and God was faithful. We prayed that God would give her doctor's wisdom as to how best to help her and, and things along those lines. And uh, we had some folks in our church that are part of the, the medical community that are doctors. And I called them and said, hey, here's what the doctors are saying. What are your thoughts on that? And they said, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. This is a good doctor. Yeah, continue to do this. Don't do that. And stuff like that. It just kind of backed up what we were already hearing. But we trusted the Lord through it. If we didn't trust the Lord, you know what I would have done? I would have asked for second and third opinions on everything. I would have had people coming up and looking at her chart to find out, is this the right path or not? But at the end of the day, we trusted the Lord. But here's the thing. That type of faith, you know when that was built? About 20 years ago. About 20 years ago, we made a decision to start walking with Jesus. And therefore, when, when the time came, the faith was already there and it was exposed. Had that trial come to a weak faith, it would have crumbled with a quickness. And so it's important to understand as we prepare for trials, and life is just preparing for trials, dig in deep to your faith, lean in hard to your faith. I promise you it's worth it. I promise you that, that you can't be over-prepared for trials when they come. It's interesting, the word uh, in, in verse number two here in chapter number one, take a look at, uh, my brethren count all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The word temptations is the Greek word periasmos. It means to examine something closely for faults. Think about that for a second. Just as a jeweler would put on their little uh, thing that they put over their eye, their loop, and look really closely at diamonds looking for faults and imperfections. That's the idea behind this word trials. 
In other words, all trials do is expose what's already going on in your heart. And just know this, when trials come to your family, if you have a weak marriage, that's going to be exposed really quickly. If you have a weak relationship with God, that's going to be exposed really quickly. If you have a lack of faith, that's going to be exposed super quick when these trials come. So the best thing that you can do in these times of trials is allow them, here's a crazy thought, I'm just going to say it. Allow your trials to examine you and say, why do I feel this way? Why am I so angry? Why do I feel the need somebody to blame? Why is my faith lacking? Because here's the thing. For example, we, we take Abraham, for example. God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac. He took Isaac up the, uh, the hillside, sacrificed his son, prepared to sacrifice his son. He was ready. And God stopped him at the last moment. And some people say, oh, God was just testing Abraham to see if he would really do it. Well, first of all, if God didn't know that Abraham was really going to do it, then God doesn't know all things. If God doesn't know all things, that means that he's not omnipotent. If God can be taken by surprise, then God is not all-powerful all and all-knowing. He's not omniscient if he doesn't know all things. So here's the thing. God doesn't send you through times of trials and testing to, to prove to him, like, oh, I've really got to prove to God that I'm, I'm, I'm going to see this through. God gives you those trials to prove it to yourself. The test is for you, not for him. He knows. He knows if your faith is weak or strong, but you don't. My pastor would often say a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And you'll know if it's the real deal or not when trials and difficulties come. You'll know whether or not you can trust the faith that you have when difficulties and trials come. So, again, we see that this simply exposes whether our faith is authentic or not. When you think about God's purposes and trials, there's a multitude of, of purposes in the Bible that, the, that uh, God tells us for giving us trials. First of all, trials test the strength of our faith. Keep your finger here in James. We're going to come back in a second. But flip all the way back to the book of Exodus, verse number 16. Uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter number 16. Second book of the Bible, Genesis, then Exodus, chapter 16. So Exodus chapter 16, the children of Israel are wandering around the desert. They're, they're starving to death. They have nothing to eat. Exodus chapter 16, verse number 2, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They griped and complained, saying, we're hungry, we want something to eat. Verse number 3, the children of Israel said unto them, would to God that we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and did eat our bread to the full, for you brought us out of this wilderness to kill us with the whole assembly with hunger. He said, God, you didn't know what you were doing. Aaron, you're an idiot for leading us out there. If God was going to kill us, he should have killed us in Egypt where at least we could have a decent meal before we died. But no, you had to bring us out here into the wilderness to kill us by hunger while we wander around. Would to God that we had died in Egypt, at least we would have had a, a square meal before we died. Verse number four. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Hmm. Interesting. God says, I'm going to test them whether or not they're going to obey me or not. Because here's what God says. I want to show them. 
is your, really com- is your only complaint the fact that you're hungry? Is that really the problem? Or is there a deeper issue here? So you want food? I'll give you food. You won't have that to complain about anymore. And then we'll see whether or not you'll obey me. So God sent this trial of hunger, of having to, to be sustained by God every single day by manna as an opportunity to test the strength of their faith. Okay, all excuses are gone. You're going to follow me now? Oh, I, I, I would follow God. And I would obey Jesus if I could just pay my bills, but I know that God doesn't care about me. God would say, okay, great, I'll pay your bills. You're going to follow me now? That probably really wasn't the issue. And if you read on the story of the children of Israel throughout the book of Exodus, and really the rest of the Old Testament, food was the least of their complaints. They just didn't want to obey God. But God used that trial, that time of difficulty, as an opportunity to prove to them where their faith was and the weakness of their faith. Trials also are sent by God to humble us and cause us to depend upon God. It's so interesting when we think of the idea of God sending difficulty our way, whether it's sickness, whether it's loss, whether it's a difficult circumstance or situation, that God would do that to humble us. It almost seems like, well, who does God think he is to humble me? Well, if you've got to ask that question, you probably need a little bit of humbling. So here's what Paul did. Paul said, hey, I thought I had it all together. I thought that God was really using my life. I thought that I was somebody. I thought that I had reason to boast and brag. And so God, for the purpose of keeping me humble, sent me a thorn in the flesh so that I would remember who butters my bread. I would remember who takes care of me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there is given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. <laughs> lest I forget who controls my every breath, God sent me something to keep me humble. Think about it this way. If everything's going well for you, oftentimes many Christians will give God token praise because everything's going well for him. But man, when trials and difficulties hit, then people want to, to pray and ask God for help and really uh, lean on God during times like that. And oftentimes God will say, hey, you don't think you need me? Let me show you how much you truly need me. And again, that's not God causing strife in our life just to be proud in his sense. God knows this. You need him. You, you got to have him. And so because he's a loving father, he drives you back to the one thing that you actually need, which is himself. And so this is not God being ugly or mean to us by sending us a trial to cause us to be humble. This is God blessing us because pride pushes away the grace of God. Humility draws in the grace of God. Trials often cause us to wean ourselves from worldly things. Again, if all of your bills are paid and you've got an extra 10 grand in the bank this month, you don't really need to pray over your finances, do you? In our flesh, we'd say, no, I think I got this covered. Hey, the new new tires on the car, it costs us a thousand bucks. We got that. We got money in the bank. We don't have to sweat it. We don't need God. We got it. No need to pray about it. Oh, but then we become dependent upon the things of the world instead of the things of God. I forget that every single thing that I have comes from the hand of God. 
That's why James is going to tell us a little bit later in our passage, not tonight, but in the future. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You got something good in your life? It's because God gave it to you. And so if you want to trust in those things of this world, God gave those to you, and God can clearly take them away should he choose to. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us all things richly to enjoy. He says, hey, tell all the rich people in the world not to trust in their riches to get them by, but they need to trust in the Lord. And you say, well, it's a good thing I'm not rich. <laughs> it's funny. Do you know half of the world's population gets by on less than $2 a day? If you, have, if you make more than $60 this month, you'll be in the top 50% richest people in the world. It's, it's so funny, all the, the virtue signaling that takes place in our, our nation today. and People want to make a big deal and things like that about, about uh, wealth and things like that. A couple of years ago, they were talking about the, the 1%, the 1% richest people in the United States and how they're billionaires who don't care about other people and they control all the wealth in the world and all these this small group of people contains you know X amount of the wealth in the world and things like that. Get this for a second. If you make more than $34,000 a year, 34000 you're in the richest 1% worldwide. Think about that for a second. In, in Honolulu, if you make $34,000 a year, that's well below the poverty line. You're, you're broke. Like, like, we need to take up an offering for you if you make $34,000 a year, right? But you're in the top 1% richest people in the world. So when Paul tells Timothy, hey, tell the rich people not to trust in their riches, he's talking to us. According to the world's standards, we're the wealthiest nation in the world, probably in the history of the world. Filthy rich. And oftentimes we want to trust in our riches, don't we? But trials come in our life to say, hey, you can't trust your riches. That money doesn't last. And I remember when I joined the military and I was in, in boot camp and we got our our. Uh, paycheck in boot camp, went to direct deposit to our account, you can't touch your money while you're in boot camp, stuff like that. I got out and I had $2,000. I was thinking to myself, this money's going to last me forever, right? <laughs> Two grand? Like, uh, my first job, I hauled garbage at a resort for $4 an hour. Like, two grand? I've never seen money like this before. Like, what? And then we get out of boot camp, we're going to dinner, I'm buying dinner for everybody because <laughs> it's just like, I'm rich, y'all. <laughs> And then I realized about three weeks of living like that, after going to the mall and buying a bunch of stuff and going out to dinner every time I got the opportunity, ordering pizza every single night, I don't have as much money as I thought that I had. And it's so funny. Sometimes we think like, oh, I'm set for X amount of time. You're not set for anything because you could all be gone tomorrow. So don't trust in your riches don't trust in the things of this world. And trials are given to us by God to wean us off of the things of this world. Trials fix our affections on the thing above, things above. <laughs> I know however long this suffering lasts that it's only temporary. I know that whatever I'm going through doesn't last forever. And I've known people who have watched loved ones deal with sickness and cancer and loss and you say well pastor that doesn't end oh it will one day when you see jesus it'll all be over it'll be worth it 
There's a man here in our 10 o'clock service this morning, and I said, uh, hey, tell me your name. He, he shared with me his name, and I told me where he was from. He said, I met you two years ago. And I said, refresh my memory. I said, you look super familiar, but I don't remember where we met. And he said, our family came here because uh, we buried our son. I remember. His son was 22 years old. He went swimming out at spitting caves and drowned out there. And his family came from the mainland and came out here and buried him two years ago. Two years ago this week. And I said, I can't imagine that loss getting any better. And he says, it doesn't. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. And he says, we come out here and just walk around the streets the way that Matthew used to and just see the things he used to see and just try to remember him. And I thought to myself, like, the gut-wrenching loss of losing a son like that. But I thought to myself, it'll get better one day. The day you see Jesus, it'll all be over. You're going to carry that pain. You're going to carry that difficulty. And hopefully that difficulty causes you to not trust in the things of this world, but causes you to trust in the things above. Causes you not to trust in the things you can see, but trust in the Lord. Hopefully it sets your affection not on the things of this earth, but the things above. I can imagine that man's thinking of the day that he gets to heaven and gets to see his son. His son was, was a Christian, was saved. I can imagine he's thinking to himself, man, I can't wait to get to heaven and see Jesus, but I can't wait to see my boy. One of these days, all of that's going to be over. And it takes our gaze off of the things here and puts them on the things above. Because the things here are very, very temporary. They don't last forever. I've got to tr- trust in the things that are eternal. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1, if ye, if, ye the been, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Next, trials expose what we really love. Isn't it interesting that when trials come, they never mess with the things that we don't care about, right? Like, honestly, if I, if, we, if I had cable TV and my cable went out, it wouldn't be the end of the world because I don't watch much TV. If my Netflix account got locked out tonight, frankly, I don't care. Uh, I watch Netflix every other week, maybe, to sit down and watch something for myself. Don't care. My internet connection goes out, we've got problems, like I'm going to be ripping everything apart and crimping new Cat5 cables and putting everything back. I cannot, why? Because that's what's important to me, right? i got to have it. Other things can come and go, but when trials come, they always hit the things that are near and dear to our hearts. And so when the difficulties come, again, it exposes what's really important to us. I remember Angela and I were uh, living in California this would have been probably 11 or so years ago. We were living there, and we were looking at houses, and we had uh, got approved for a loan to buy a house. It was our first house we were going to buy, and we had offers in on several different houses and things like that, and we've been going around and you know, looking at the listings every day and refreshing, going and looking at houses and putting an offer, and working with a real estate agent. Did you hear anything yet? Should we go up on our offer? Things along those lines. And then one night, my, do- my wife was changing our daughter McKeeley's diaper, and she opened up her diaper, and she had this massive knot on the inside of her groin, and like the size of like a tennis ball. I was just like, oh, this is not good. And so we took her to the hospital, and, or t- took her to the uh, urgent care, and they opened it up, and uh, the doctor was working there. He said, we haven't run any tests or anything like that. He said, I've seen this before, though. He said, this looks like lymphoma cancer. He goes, don't mess around with this. He goes, you got to get help right away. So we panicked, and for about 30 seconds, and we just stopped, took a breath, prayed. And while I'm sitting there in the, the, the room, 
I got an email from our real estate agent. <laughs> it's just like, whatever. Well, what did it say? I don't even know. I never even opened it. I call our agent the next day and like, look, we have way too much going on right now. We can't even think about a house. Which cr is crazy because 12 hours before, the, our house was the only thing to think about, you know? I mean, we were all, all in at that point, but when trials came, it exposed what was really important. I don't care about a house at this point. I don't care what neighborhood it's in. I don't care that it has a pool. I don't care that it's in our price range. I don't care that you think that we can get the house. It doesn't matter at this point. My daughter is facing death. Like, it doesn't even register on my list of priorities right now. And trials will show us what's really important to us and what's not. And unfortunately, I'll say this, unfortunately for many people when trials come, they realize that their faith isn't really all that important. It's a bummer, but it happens. Just know this, when trials come, you come to a crossroad. Will you turn left and split, quit on the things of God? Say that God failed you, God let you down, God disappointed you, or will you put the hammer down and continue to plow forward until the day you see Jesus? You're at a crossroads when trials come. And you've got to make a choice. Is this the path for me? And unfortunately, when many people, when they're faced at that crossroad, they say, hey, my faith's really not that important to me. And of all the things i got going on right now, honestly, the things of God can take a back seat. And when people do that, I just want to pull out my hair like, you have no idea the choice that you're making. The one thing that will see you through this trial, you deem as non-essential. Like, you don't even get it. So trials will show us what our heart really craves, what our heart truly loves. Next, trials strengthen us for greater, greater usefulness to Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when he talks about his thorn in the flesh, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Christ is not attracted to how strong you are. He's actually attracted to how weak you are because then he can be made strong. <laughs> it's my, it cracks me up every time I see, uh, and I saw it when I was a kid too, the story of Samson, you know, when they teach it to kids. It always shows Samson with this dude that's built like a refrigerator, you know, and he's got massive, huge, wide shoulders, he's got a super thin, tiny little waist, he's always got like a 12-pack of abs and, and massive biceps and things like that, and people are like, Samson, you know, he's, got, he's ripping a lion apart, and his, you know, his veins are popping out in his forearms while he's doing it, you know, and you're like, Samson, right? But you know what's funny? Is that when people look at Samson, they're like, where does he get that strength from? Like, where does it come from? If he was built like a refrigerator, people would go like, oh, I wonder why Samson's so strong. Maybe it's the fact that he's, you know, weighs 400 pounds and has 0% body fat, you know? No, they look at this guy who obviously looked like a regular dude. But when the Spirit of God came upon him, he received supernatural strength. The people looked at it, and it defied logic. God wasn't attracted to Samson because he was the strongest dude in the camp. God was attracted to Samson because he could show himself strong through Samson. That's a difference. So God's not looking for you and I to be super beefy, super tough Christians. 
He's looking for us to be weak, submissive Christians that need him for everything in life. Everything. Hey, God, I got to get my tires on my car replaced this week. I've cut the money, but I just want to praise you that I've got it and pray that you continue to su- supply and provide for my each and every need. I trust you. I love you. And that's faith. Somebody who's constantly in need of God's grace, constantly in need of God's provision. Look, you don't take a breath that God doesn't allow. And so for you and I, we need to make sure that our heart is right, humble before God, trusting in God, prepared to be used of God, and allowing our weakness to be used by God to be a greater usefulness to Jesus. One of the final reasons, again, we could go on all night with these, but one of the final reasons we have tonight, trials allow us to help others during their trials. Turn your foot over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's going to be the last uh, passage we'll look at tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Sorry about that. Verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us, us in all of our tribulation. Why did you do that? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Hey, you're going through a family member that got a bad health diagnosis. I can name you a couple ladies in our church that have watched their loved ones go through sickness, and then suffering the loss of a loved one, they'll be able to walk you through that, guaranteed. Talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago that was struggling with anger. I know somebody that could help you with that. Somebody who's gone through something similar. Talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago struggling with anxiety. Yeah. I know somebody that can help you through that because they found comfort of the Lord through that. You're dealing with an unsure future, I know somebody can help you with that. Had a miscarriage, lost a baby, I know somebody can help you with that. You know why? Because God comforts us so that we can comfort others. The problem when we come to trials is we're so tunnel vision focused on ourselves. Why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Does God really love me? How long is this going to last? When is it going to be over? What's the purpose in this? Stop. God, I praise you that you brought me to this because you're always good and I know that this is good even though it doesn't feel good. God, I know you want to teach me something through this difficult time. I don't know what it is, but I want to learn it. God, help me to trust you each and every day as I walk through this. Help me to walk with wisdom every day. I'm going to spend time in your word every day. Speak to me through your word as I walk through this trial because I want to know you more through this I want to know you through the fellowship of your sufferings. And God, while I'm walking through this, and especially on the other side of this, would you allow me to bless others with what I've learned and grown through with you? Would you allow this trial to give you glory? Would you allow other people to see you at work in my life? And can I use my story to help somebody else one day? Oh, I'm telling you this. 
your trial that you go through is going to be used of God like you can never imagine. Some of you, again, I'm still trying to figure out a way. I've been talking about this for several weeks, and I'm getting ready to, to pull the trigger on something. I look across this room tonight, and I see so many different stories of grace, of people who have gone through some of the worst things that you could possibly imagine in life, and have come out on the other side of it with a strong faith, with ridiculous joy, and an incredible amount of hope. And like, I've heard those stories, I've been encouraged by those stories, but I want other people to hear them. And so I'm trying to put together some thoughts on how we can actually make that happen, but it's just, God's so good, so good. And just know this, as you walk through these times, you're not walking through them alone, there's always somebody with you. And when it comes to trials, I want you to get this idea. You will not enjoy the process of trials, but I promise you, you'll love the product. You won't enjoy the process, but you'll love the product. I, I, I hate baking. It's not my thing at all. Uh, when I have to make chocolate chip cookies, and I say have to, like my, I say to my wife, can you make chocolate chip cookies? And she says, maybe tomorrow night. And I was like, fine, I'll make them. Uh, I go to, the, gro- I go to the, the cupboard. I tear open a bag. I put it in our mixture. I crack an egg, and I put butter and an egg in there, and I put the mixture on high, and I wait like two minutes, and then I scoop them onto a cookie sheet. That's me making cookies, right? But still, just to do that, I hate it because it's just like, ah, it's not my thing. I don't really know what I'm doing. I have to read the package and all this other stuff. But man, when those cookies come out of the oven, hello. (laughs) Right? And here's the thing. I think, I'm not really sure. I haven't done a scientific test yet. I think my cookies might taste better than my wife's cookies. (laughs) You know why? Because I made them, right? It's just something about like, hey, I saw every part of this process that makes these taste that much better. And I have been known to, be, to sneak in extra chocolate chips in my cookies, aside from what's in the pack, because cho- can't have too much chocolate. But here's the thing. As you're going through the trials, you're going to want it to be over. And, and that's so many times where we get things wrong when it comes to trials. Is When it comes to trials, we're looking for an exit. How can we get out of this? How can I, how can I eject from this? But God doesn't want you to eject. God does not want to give you an exit yet. So instead of looking for a way to get out of it, you need to look for a way to get through it. That's where the good stuff's found. And I'm telling you this, on the other side of your trial, it's going to be your story of God's grace. Of how endured difficulty after difficulty, trouble after trouble, struggle after struggle. And let me just tell you this, through every single bit of it, God was faithful. That's good like that. I was talking with my friend, Carrie, the other day. Carrie had his 50th uh, high school reunion this weekend. And he said, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to make it to the men's night on uh, Friday night. No, first he told me, I'm going to skip my 50-year reunion to be at the men's night. And I was like, don't do that. It's 50 years, man. He was like, well, they asked me to speak, and I don't want to because I want to be at church. I said, no. So I gave him permission to be excused from the men's night so he could go to his 50-year class reunion, right? But he said, they, they gave me an opportunity to, to different people to tell their story. He said, I want to tell my story about how Kristen and I fought her sickness and the Lord took her home and how God was good through that. And he goes, I don't think I could share a full gospel presentation. He goes, I'm just going to talk about God's good and God's grace. And I thought to myself, get it. You know what blew my mind at that? 50-year reunion. 
take a guy who by the world's standard would be successful. He'd want to get up there and brag about how he'd made it, all the good things he's done, and here's my list of accomplishments, and here's all the awards that I've received, here's all the things I've done. No, I'm trying to find a way that I can get around to talking about Jesus. And I want to use my trial and suffering as a platform to be able to talk about how good God is. And that spoke to my heart. But here's the story. Carrie's not the only person in our church that suffered loss. He's not the only one that's gone through difficult times and saw God's grace on the other side. You have to use your story as an opportunity to help and be a blessing to other people because everybody's going through something difficult, everybody. And just know this, when it comes to trials, either you're, get, you're going through a trial right now, and if that's you, I love you, I'm for you, I want to walk through you with it. Some of you are coming out of a trial right now. And you're beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you're coming out of it, and God's been good, He's been faithful, and you're just on the other side of it, and you're coming through it. And for some of you, you don't even know it yet, but you're about to get hit like a freight train out of nowhere with something that you did not expect, and you're going to go through a trial, guaranteed. It's coming for you. And it's funny, sometimes we, we say when trials come, man, I did not see that coming. Well, think about it. If you saw a trial coming six months away, it wouldn't be a trial then, would it? It'd just be life. But it's going to come when you least expect it, and you need to be prepared for it. Because some of you are going to face some of the most difficult days of your life in the next 12 months, and you've got to be ready for it. And you need to be ready by, get ready for it by digging in deep to your faith first and foremost. But God didn't give you your trial to, to waste that's one of the things that I, that I pray when I go through times of difficulty and times of trial. God, help me to not waste this trial. How do you waste it? Not spend time with God, blow it off, hope for it to be over, white knuckle it and just try to ride it out. No, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be better. This is a time for me to, be, to grow in my faith, to be used to God. I want to use this as a story to other people, how they can walk through trials and difficulties and come out with, with joy on the other side of it. Don't waste it. But here's the most important thing. You can't, you can't, I, I don't understand how people can walk through trials without faith. Just don't. I mean, even what we, what we went through last year of, of the COVID and the lockdowns and not sure when things would get back to normal, when people would go back to work and stuff like that. I can't imagine going through a time like that where in the early days, if you catch it, you're as good as gone, man. I mean, people are dying with it right away. They're going to die right away. And I can't imagine how you go through that without faith. I can't imagine how people go through loss and difficulty and trials and the unfairness of life without faith. This doesn't make sense. So if you're a person here tonight who's not saved, let me just tell you, you don't have what it takes to go through difficulties because you're not strong enough. You'll fail at some point. But if you're a Christian, you have God as your father, Christ as your brother, the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, the Word of God as your guide, you have a pastor that loves you. You have a church family that cares for you. You have every reason in the world to make it if you choose to. Because God is always faithful. So if you're walking through a trial tonight, know this. We're with you. We're for you. If there's anything I can do personally to help, please let me know. I want to know. And even if there's nothing I can do other than pray, just let me know. I, I want to know because I pray for you every single day, and I want to know how I can pray for you better. If you've come out of a trial and you've seen God faithful, would you share that with somebody? I know it would encourage their hearts. Every time I've heard your story, it's encouraged me. And so take that and share it with someone else. And 
And all of us need to prepare for the day that we get ready to walk through another trial because they're coming one of these days. But the important thing is that God is faithful and we have reason to count it all joy when we get into difficult trials. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.